you have your bulletins, you have this sermon in front of you. So if you'll turn it over on the back page. You know, if Adam Archibald, I asked him when he was sick, I texted him, we were texting back and forth, and I said, Adam, is there anything I can do? He says, well, yeah, if you could come over and grease the combine. I said, sure, is that anything like greasing a cookie sheet? Needless to say, I didn't go over. How many of us have ever been in that situation where all of a sudden somebody wants us or needs us to do something? Maybe you're just there in the right place at the wrong time, and they throw the keys at you and say, hey, go move that bulldozer over here, Mark. Well, first of all, they're taking your, their life into their own hands, and it would take me a long, long, long time to even figure out how to start the crazy thing. Have you ever been in that situation where expectations were there and thrust upon you, and you didn't have a clue? Now, the right thing to do is to say, I don't have a clue. But how many of us, because of our inward pride, go, I can do this. But there are certain things in this world we weren't meant to do, amen? The doctor walks out and says, hey, I've got to go home. You do the surgery today. Yeah, right. The pilot walks out of the, the front of the plane and says, hey, my tummy's a little upset. Could you land it for me? I don't know about you, those are things we should not be thrust into doing. And yet we, the church, do exactly that. We preach a good preach. We talk a good talk. Now, nothing can ever be said amiss when we're preaching the Word of God or, or speaking the Word of God because there's power in the Word of God. Yes, there is. Just to say the Word of God. Even if you're in that pinch and you cannot think of any other scripture and you say Jesus wept, it's scripture. There's power in that because Jesus is in that. But over the last few weeks, we have been moving in a, in a, in a way of trying to take it from more than just a sermon. Because we live in trying times. We live in tough times. And it's time that we're ready not only to hear the word of God when we get here, and to be moved by the Word of God, but we need to be prepared by the Word of God so that when we leave this place, or maybe when we're still here, the trials of life impact us. So this morning, I want to help us become what God wants us to become. I want us to become more comfortable and not to the point that we think, ah, I can do this in my sleep. Because in everything spiritual, we must do it based on a need of God to do it through us. We are but the instruments for him to use. We are but the mouths or the hands or the feet or whatever the case is for him to use. We have to avail ourselves and say, here I am, as the Old Testament tells us, here I am, Lord, send me. And then we have to mean it that there are some practical things we can do to help us be better prepared so that when those opportunities come in our paths, we're ready, or at least have a direction to move in. And so I want us to look this morning at what happens when someone says to you, 
What do I do? How do I get this Jesus that you've got? Or when the door opens that you're there to comfort someone and you're not sure where they stand spiritually and you know at the tugging of your heart you need to share the gospel message with them and you're going, but wait, let me call Mark. He'll come over and do it. No, you. You are capable. You are able. And and we need to grow more confident that we could at least avail ourselves to the moving of the Spirit for God to use to share life-changing message. We're not messing with just something that happens and, and just is here today and gone tomorrow. This is for eternity, folks. And we need to have a biblical and eternal mindset. And in our world right now, it's a minute-to-minute mindset. It's a headline-to-headline, a news station-to-news station, and and an opinion-to-opinion. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of it. And I have to purposely and intentionally tell myself I'm not going to get sucked into it. Today, we're going to look at some scriptures that are familiar to you. And I encourage you. I've got several Bibles, and I've highlighted in those Bibles the plan of salvation, and and it may be different in each Bible. And there are many different scriptures that lead us down that path of salvation. I, I, I encourage you to cut this part of the bulletin out and tuck it away in your wallet or in your purse. We'll even laminate it if that helps you. And there's nothing wrong with when you're in that situation to pull that out and say, you know, I just want to make sure I've got some kind of guideline to help lead you to where God wants you to go. There's nothing wrong with that because the the purpose is is to get them in that saving knowledge so that they can make a decision to accept Jesus and move down that salvation path of being baptized and then serving God. It's not about how good I deliver or how good I make a presentation. The presentation of the gospel makes its own presentation. We just have to be willing to regurgitate it. There's a good word for you, regurgitate. In Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and on, it says, There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks of God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Do you see the word that reoccurs over and over? There is none. None. And you're going, well, wait a minute. What about me? I'm sitting in East Union Christian Church in the pew. I'm here, Lord. The writer wants us to understand that we are all in the same ground and same footing at the foot of the cross. Even though we're here this morning, we're not a step above anybody. We may have a step in the right direction, but we're not a step above, and they're not a step below. But God is called because he desires that all would come to know him that all would be saved, that all would spend eternity with them. And there is an urgency, folks, because we, as we've seen in circumstances this week, life promises no length to anyone, regardless of age or anything else. 
So this message is the message. And I want you to be better prepared when you leave here this morning, not because of me or my great teaching, fooey. I want you to be better prepared because you have the scriptures in front of you, that you'll tuck them away where you need them so that on the day when you are called, that you will, even trembling, will take it out and begin to share the gospel message with whoever is in your path. Because it, it is that message that we all must take to the world. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody's in the same boat. Now, some people are in different storms, but the overall storm that we're all in is the same. And the church must speak out. The world doesn't want to hear that they're a sinner, but they are. But so am I. We must present it in love. Love God, love others. But even saying that, we must present it according to the Word of God. And when we present it according to the Word of God, guess what? It's going to step on our toes. Amen? It's going to hurt. The first step of finding the salvation path is understanding that I need it. And according to Romans 3.23, and what we read earlier in Romans 3, is that none of us have this down pat. That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No matter what their resume is or where they are or anything of that nature. As I spoke to someone this morning, they said, we agreed. It's time we, the church has been too silent. I never want to use this opportunity of preaching to be a political forum. But Satan has deceived us in the church to the point that we're so afraid to speak the truth, even when it has tinges of the world around us, that we become silent. I'm just going to stick to the Word. That is true. I'm going to stick to the Word of God. But the Word of God is in play right now as it always has been for thousands of years. And in speaking the Word of God, it is going to be contrary to the way of the world. Amen? It just is. We march for certain things that are contrary to the Word of God, and we call ourselves martyrs. We speak and resolve ourselves to do what people tell us to do without making our own decisions, using the God-given brain that He's given us to decide. Over and over in the Scriptures, it talks about that we will not fear but that we will stand firm on God Almighty and we will move forward. It doesn't mean I'll know that I made the right decision, but at the end, I will know I have made the decision in the framework of God's word and leave the rest to him. We must be a people that are not just present in the pews, but we are passionate in the streets in sharing the life-changing, eternal message of Jesus Christ. If you'll turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. John 1, 12 through 13 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We come as a first step 
to believe in God. If we don't believe in God or have some curiosity as to who God is and belief in him and believing that this is his word and understanding as we read in Romans that we have an issue, that problem that separates us from this God of all creation, then we're not even taking a step forward. It's like anything else. I got to know there's a problem before I'm even willing to start to look for a way to fix it. And as we read in Romans chapter 3, all of us have the same problem. So it's not a them and a we or an us and a they. It's all of us together. And so as we share the word of God with someone, it should not be from an overpowering aspect, but from a alongside, shoulder-to-shoulder love aspect. Hey, I know where you've been. I was there. I was a sinner. I understand. I was lost, I was going to hell, and God opened up my mind through the word and pierced my heart and melted me. And from that, I moved into confession of my sins and then realizing I needed to not stay in those sins to repentance of my sins. And there I realized that Jesus commanded us to be baptized, and I I made that step to be immersed with him in the water so that I could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and receive forgiveness for my sins. And it didn't stop in the waters once I got out of them. I continued because God called me then to be a faithful servant of his and to work and to serve and to avail myself to do whatever he's called me to do, not what's comfortable, not where I want to go, but to do what he wants me to do. Why? For my glory and honor? No, but for his glory and honor. How many of you want your kids to go to heaven? Amen. How many of you want your neighbor to go to heaven? Amen. How many of you want you got that guy that cut you off on 31 yesterday to go to heaven? Amen. I just hope the policeman finds him first. <laughs> it starts in belief. It starts in understanding that we're not in a right relationship with the God who created us. And that without that right relationship, there is a penalty and a consequence. And that consequence is as real as these pews or anything in this building or anything outside that we can see, feel, or touch. And that consequence is hell. It's a knowing that consequence that gives us the sense of urgency, intentionality to, to save ourselves, yes? And then also to be moved to want everyone else to experience the same thing that we have. And it begins in John 1, 12 and 13, that it's a belief in Jesus. Not just a, a mouth of Jesus. It's one thing, oh, yeah, I belong to East Union Christian Church. Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. No, it's I believe in Jesus. I believe that no matter what comes my way, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that not whatever, no, no matter what happens to us personally in our family or anything else, that even as hard as it would be and as sorrowful as I would be for bad things to happen, I still know at the end of the day I stand on the firmest foundation that there ever was because I stand on Jesus. But my life must reflect that. We, you know what? I t- I've lost track. At one point, we had six new babies coming in the next two months. Wow. Now it's things, I think it's up to eight and maybe nine. I don't know. We're just a baby manufacturing machine at East Junior Christian Church. <laughs> Church growth comes in many facets. Amen. Praise God. Young people, young couples, young families, I speak to you as never before. 
as enjoyable and exciting as it is for that young baby to be born. And as grandparents, it's real exciting too. Think of the life that you bring into this world. And I know off the top of your head, what you want is their life to be better than you had it, whatever that case is. But the best you can pray for and hope for, even before the baby is born, is that they will know Jesus Christ. And that they will find that firm foundation early in their life as they mimic you in your walk of faith so that they will be strong because the world is not going to get any easier for you or for them. As a congregation, we need to be in prayer for these young couples, these young parents. We need to pray now, before and after the babies are born, that God would put his hedge of protection around them because it's, it's a battle, it's a war, and we just need to say it like it is. The message that's being preached today by the world is the opposite message that God once preached. He preaches life and love and freedom. They preach death and hate and divisiveness. That's a big word. I just learned that. It means divided, divisiveness. I I heard that guy say that, and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. We need to stand firm. It begins with, by believing in Jesus. Look at with me in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says this, therefore repent. What do they have to do? Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What does it say? Therefore, what? Repent. Now, for many people in our world, they don't know what repent means, so we have to tell them. It means just go the other direction. Instead of going to the direction to hell, go to the direction toward heaven. Turn away from the stuff that's not working and not right and definitely contrary to God and turn to the stuff that is right. And they'll go, but Mark, I don't know what that stuff is. Well, we'll work. Let's walk through the scriptures. God will reveal the right stuff. Even before scripture, it tells us in the scripture that inwardly, because we were created in the image of God, we have the seed of righteousness within us. And therefore, even without the word being preached, we know no one has an excuse. No one anywhere in the world has an excuse to say they didn't know the word because it's innate in us. That's part of our conscience, too. When we just know it's wrong, then we probably shouldn't do it. By turning away from our sins, repent and return. What? So that our sins may be wiped away, totally wiped away, past, present, and future. There's no other plan that gives us that. Then tell them to turn over to Romans chapter 10. Or if you have your Bible, turn to it, or, 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 or however you figure out how to do this to present it. Act, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Let's read 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we are preaching. Verse 9 and 10. That if you what? Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I didn't say that. God said that. He promises that. Verse 10, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation, resulting in life eternal with our heavenly Father. As Don spoke in his communion meditation, those who have gone before us, those who profess their faith and have now gone before us, rest at the feet of Jesus, worshiping in the worship service of all times. Amen. 
I don't know about you, that's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Can you imagine your first one? Wow, I don't think you have to be worried about sitting in somebody else's pew. I don't think there's any safe pews in heaven. So I think they're all open, and I think they have enough for everybody, right? What a worship service. We have to do something, though. There's no magic wand or anything of that nature that just confers salvation on us. We have to come to an understanding that we are sinful and that we need God. And that to do that, because God is light and sin is darkness, the two won't mix. So we have to confess our sin and determine that we're going to run from it. Does that happen overnight? Anybody run from your sins and everything just perfect the next day? Anybody have a salvation experience like that? Anybody get wings? How about a halo? Nope. Me neither. I was hoping. I thought that'd be pretty cool. It don't work that way. It's a process. And I think sometimes the church, we don't let people know that, hey, this is the best decision you're going to ever make. And you will feel different. You can't help but feel different. But tomorrow morning, you may still wake up with some of those bad habits. But that's the part of sanctification, that other big spiritual word. But God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I am there with you forever. I will help you through these things. He will help us. At first, you won't even notice. You'll still do those old sins. But a little while, then all of a sudden, God's tapping you on the shoulder saying, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, oops. Then before, you're about ready to say it, and you stop. Have you ever been there? Getting ready to scream at somebody in the grocery store? And they think you just started to have a stroke. But what it was is the Spirit of God stopping you in your footprints, right? And you're going, and they go, bless you. God bless. And then before long, it's just not a part of you anymore. In fact, it starts to offend you when you hear other people do it. That's the process of sanctification. It doesn't happen overnight. No one becomes an angel overnight. Amen? And we need to let the world know that. It's okay. When we're deep in sin, it takes a long time to to come up and change and be what God wants us to be. But guess who does all the work? He does with us. He helps us and leads us and guides us. Now, we still have free will and free choice. But with his presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within us, it starts to move us to want to be all that he wants us to be. Confessing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Actually, let's start with verse 1. What, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? There's a whole many sermons based on this passage. But the answer is no, you shouldn't continue in sin. No, 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 no. May it never be in verse 2, how shall we who... We who died to sin still live in it. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And there's many, many more sermons on this, but I want to tell you this, and I've said this before, that just sealed the deal with me. And I've studied and looked at it and been right, been wrong, and been far from anything. Matthew chapter 28, the very last verse, or those last few verses, the Great Commission. 
As I've mentioned before, Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven, his last words. And we know that normally our last words, we try to make them the most important words because we want, want you to hear and remember. And in that, Jesus says, be baptized. I truly believe as Jesus spoke, it's important that we are baptized by immersion. There's nothing special about the water. There's nothing special about the person that does it. Many people sometimes, not being judgmental, but I just know, go down a center and come up, go down a dry center and come up a wet one because nothing changed in their heart and their mind. And we've already read, we have to make those conscious decisions to change within our heart and our mind. Otherwise, it's just an outward action that we've trying to fool everybody else. But the one we will not fool is God because he looks inwardly first and looks at us there. So I encourage you, encourage you to follow in steps. Follow Jesus' words and his commandments. And last look at Revelation chapter 2. Now we're getting to that back book, you know, that we're all going, oh my gosh. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10 says this. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. There is only but one who is faithful and has the authority to give us the crown of life. And it isn't anybody on earth. It is but God himself. And that's this process. That's this salvation experience. But I don't even want to call it an experience because experiences come and go, don't they? Eat a good donut, it's good for a minute, and then it's gone. If you can't taste, it, done, it never started. Salvation is for eternity. Everyone here and online and beyond are all individually responsible. I share the truth as this truth was shared with me. It is your and my responsibility to decide within the framework of God's word where I'm at. But I'm here to proclaim to you this truth. If you have come to the Father through Jesus the Son, if you have followed the scriptures in regards to Jesus' commandments in baptism, if you've confessed of your sin and repented, if you're striving each day to live the way he wants you to live, it says, then you shall be saved. But if you have it, there won't be a gray area. The world has muddied that. At the moment of the trumpet sounding and Jesus returning, if you have it, you're going to hell. Not just till you get things worked out down there. I'll get a good lawyer when I'm down there. Oh, boy. Ooh, probably could find a lot of them. <laughs> My son's a lawyer. I'm in trouble. You know what's really scary is I just thought of that on the fly. <laughs> but it's true. 
God does not want to lose one of you. Never has, doesn't today, and never will. But it's in your court. We will help provide whatever we can scripturally and spiritually in love. No one else to blame when the trumpet sounds. You either did or you didn't. My prayer is that you have or you will soon. Be prepared. You walk out of here, you're going to see probably more non-Christians than Christians. Not being judgmental, just telling you the way it is. You may be the one to take this message from the Word of God to them. Practically speaking, y'all take your bulletin home. I don't want to see one left in the pew. Amen. (laughs) Take them home, cut them out, wallet, purse, whatever the case. Memorize it. That's a great thing too. But be prepared because God wants to use you to help somebody else find Jesus.